0: The game is the game. Join me, your host, Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, as I travel on the journey to meet people from a variety of professions to find out what made them excel in their field. Walk with me. ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the game is the game with your host Michelle St Patrick Hewitt. Welcome once again as I chop it up with another guest. Thank you to all who have been listening to all previous episodes thus far and I'm I guess I'm pleasured and I'm honored to get our next guest on. Uh, I'm going to try and give the big intro that I try and do with all guests when, when, when we do a, an episode of The Game is the Game. But first things first, just some quick admin out of the way. For those of you who have been listening, who have been liking these episodes, of course, do like, rate, review, subscribe, all of that jazz. All of that helps any kind of podcast grow. So do uh, do that. And once I introduce the guest as well, and they plug all of their kind of channels and handles and all of that, it will all be in the description below. Please make sure you go and follow and get behind and support their work. So without any further ado, who have I got on today, people? I mean, how do I describe this guy? (laughs) I'm hoping he's going to describe himself. But listen, we live in an age of sports content production. And if you're a sports fan, whatever sport that may be, whether that be football, cricket, F1, tennis, whatever, we've never been in an era where so much content is easily accessible um, and at your fingertips to kind of understand all the various different sports and the the kind of minutiae, the stories of, uh deeper within them and so on and so forth. And the reason I guess why I start like that is because it can be hard for people to stand out in that field. It can be hard for someone to... Have a unique voice when so many people are kind of filling the void with so much content. But um my guest today is none other than Maoa Quadri. And listen, <laughs> this guy, I-, I should tell the story of how I how of how I came to find his content. <laughs> because and, and in and in many ways it's it's important to tell because. I, I, I'm a I'm a big believer in that content which stands out will find its way to you it's not about searching for it if somebody's if somebody's producing stuff which resonates it's going to find your way to it and that's the best it's going to find it's going to find its way to you I should say and that's the best kind of content for those of you who are alri- already got subscribed or followed uh the game is the game you'll know that episode one was with um Musa Okwonga and uh By virtue of following Musa, I happened to just come across bits and pieces that uh, Mayo was producing. And every time I saw something, heard something, read something, I said, this guy, this guy's super talented. Um, And I made sure I followed and all of that. And then I happened, uh, Stadio did a live, um, Stadio did a live show a couple of months back, maybe three, four months ago. And I happened to go along to support Musa and Ryan and all the crew. And... Mayo happened to be there on the day i the day i was there and i saw him and i was like i've got to no, i've got to say something because this guy's who's giving this guy his flowers (laughs) and i don't know if you'll remember that i went up to him but i I made sure i went up to him and i just said listen i just want to say you're you're seriously good at what you do man i just gotta give you your flowers because the content that you're producing deeply resonates and um I guess I tell people that story, not to say, oh, I'm a great guy. I tell that story because it's kind of instructive to all of us that when you are listening to people and you're you're, you're feeling the connection with the content that they're producing, make sure you give them their flowers. Make sure you actually held them up and say, you know what? Now, what you're doing is good because sometimes those people may or may not know that what they're doing is is resonating on a wider level because we're happy to consume. We're probably less happy to actually tell the people that it's actually make it's having an impact and it, it it's affecting them. Listen, Mayo I've given you one of the greatest introductions of all
1: <laughs> I was going to say, you are you are just, you are far, far too kind, and I appreciate you a thousand times over, honestly. You know, what you've mentioned is such a, um, thanks for having me on, by the way, that honestly, it's a real pleasure. And um, what you've mentioned is such a true tangent, especially within content, because naturally, I think as people, we are quite, sensitive at nature right Hmm. and I feel like in the present place that we're in whenever you put anything out you are at the mercy of the people consuming it and by nature because of human beings and how we've been programmed people don't tend to write good stuff they always write the negative Hmm. (laughs) it's just by nature you can have a million great takes and it's just sort of like a like or sort of like people won't say anything as acknowledgement of it's gone well but when yeah. stuff goes left or people don't agree, they'll be there in the hundreds and thousands, making sure that you know. So um, I'm, I'm very much like you and we're recording this at a very um, interesting time. It's in the lead up to Christmas. Um, the World Cup is just finished. And a bunch of people uh, have the luxury of calling friends and colleagues. I've been either covering the World Cup or out there creating content. And day by day, I've just been messaging and telling them how proud I am because ultimately they're in a a situation where they're doing things they would have never, ever, ever thought they would ever be doing. And Mm. sometimes when you're in the moment, it's very difficult to step away from it and go, wow, this is where I am after working so hard for it. And sometimes when someone tells you, keep it up or that was really sick or Mm. make sure you do that again or I'm proud of you just goes a long way. So when you, when I did see you at the stadium, event, um, yeah, it was quite, it was a nice affirmation that you're doing the right thing. And yeah, you never know when people need it. So I appreciate, I appreciate that highly. And I, again, it's so funny through you. So I've seen a lot of the stuff that you do and through Ryan and just like, when I finally saw you, I was like, oh my gosh, it's the man, the myth, because you know, you like to sort <laughs> of work in the shadows a little bit. So, um, so no, it was a pleasure to, to me. And it's pleasure to link up on, on the platform as well. Like you've had some amazing interviews. All of them have been really insightful about people's journeys. And I have the honor to sort of discuss
0: my journey, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, one one hundred, and in a, you, you, you've just for those who are new to this, who've maybe not listened to any previous episodes of the game. is a game, you've essentially just hit the nail on the head. It's about looking at different people's professions um, and their their journey and how they've kind of traversed the different. I call it the choppy waters because no nobody's journey is truly smooth. Everyone's had chal- Everyone has challenges that they have to overcome to to become excellent within their field. And off kind of off camera, before I press recorder, I kind of said to you, this is about understanding how you've got closer to your true form. Not you haven't, you haven't reached it. And I say that with ultimate respect, because I'm sure you would say, no, I'm I'm not there yet. There's still many things that you want to try and accomplish and so on and so forth, but you know where I want to start. And it's something that I sent to you um, when we were messaging before uh, bringing this together, I said, what what do I call you though? Like not your name, as in like what do I say you are? <laughs> and you must have had that question so many times before, because when you're a good content producer, and I know, of course, we can talk about verses, etc. And I'm, I want to see how you basically describe this. People can be disparaging, and they might say, "Oh, you're you're just a podcast host," or "You're you're just somebody who I see on YouTube," or you you do some videos from time to time. it's hard when, when you've got so many um eggs in so many baskets, how do you find that one word to say this is my this is my this is my living this is my job what do you say to people?
1: It's so interesting because I kind of stumbled across my word and my word is I'm a conversationist so it means that I bring about conversation through various formats and I enjoy doing that I like giving people voices. And the reason why I I fell on that was because if I think back to myself in sort of, you know, the education system, I've always been a person that doesn't like to be boxed in. Mm. I was the kid that was exceptional at sports, but I was very good at drama and I was very studious and it was, especially when you, you know, in a city London young black boy is sort of like, okay, pushing down sport or pushing down music, pushing down drama or pushing that And It's like, no, why can't I, why do I have to be defined by a number or by something? Why can't I just be allowed to express myself in different formats? And um, that's something that's always stuck with me. So the reason why it's conversation is because typically no matter what the format is, I believe that I can bring something to life, whether that is hosting a podcast, whether that is writing a piece, whether that is producing, whether that is directing, whether that is script writing, whatever the format, I believe that I have an image in my head. And over time through people believing in me and sort of just going out and doing stuff, I feel like I'm still learning and progressing about how to just make things happen. So that's how I stumbled on it. And I guess it's difficult because especially in the space we are now, the media's landscape has changed so, so, so much. I remember mm-hmm. growing up and looking at people and you look on TV and say, that was a journalist, that was a broadcaster, that was this, yeah. that was that. So many people do so many different things now. But because of my inherent hate of being boxed in, I had to make sure that I personal branded myself so strong that people realised you can't box me in. Mm-hmm. You may think of me specifically for one thing, but anytime you think about me, I was going to go, he doesn't do just that
0: yeah, yeah and it yeah, can
1: yeah. be it can be very difficult it can be very very difficult because ultimately by nature people go to wherever they want to go to to receive whatever they want to receive so for instance if you want to go and receive you know high class writing you go to MISA straight if you want to go and see you know the transfer is you might go to Ornstein but mm. that's why I look up to Musa so much. Musa is not only an author, he's a writer, he's an amazing podcaster. His whole thing is, I have such a unique point of view, but I can yeah. bring that to life through different formats. Same thing with Ryan as well, and same thing with so many people. But I just decided to put Conversationist as the <laughs> as the little sticky label on, on the jar so people understand, okay, this is what he's trying to do.
0: Listen, that, that's a great summary, because even if I take, at the time of recording, if I take three of the more rec- most recent things I've seen you do. In the last few days, the Nike conversation about, uh, uh, I think it was it sport or comp- within the Black di- Diaspora or media yeah. within the Black Diaspora. The article with S.E. Dons. <laughs> just yes. a, few, a few days before that. And then a few, a few days before that, you have the the production that you helped do for the Raheem Sterling. All those three things are massively different. All, <laughs> all, all of them have different strings to your bow. And I guess I'm saying that to kind of affirm what you're saying. I couldn't take each of those things and say, this is what you do, because they're also so widely different in showing the kind of skill set uh, that you bring to proceedings, which I guess leads me to this question then. You, and I, as you said it, I wrote the word down. You said stumbled, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I, ha- I have to quiz you on it because there will be people who listen to this. Probably mo- most likely, people have been who follow your content and follow your journey, and maybe they have read about you, and maybe they know bits and pieces about you. But you did you stumble into it because you never studied. Um, like, major at uni or or anything like that. So was this something where, in the back of your head, you were always thinking, I'd love to do X, but I'm going to do Y because that's just life, you know? Um, or <laughs> is it a true stumble story? Did you literally stumble into it?
1: It was, um, how do I describe it? It was a a God-planned stumble and sometimes to what i said before sometimes when you take a step back and look at things in totality you realize oh there's a red thread between it Mm. so going back to me speaking about myself in secondary school um i grew up just my mum as an only child so Mm. apart from talking a lot in class i was probably talking to my imaginary friends i made up in my house in my room because Mm. you don't have a lot of people to speak to when you're an only child you don't have siblings so at school i was always told that I was quote unquote, very influential in my peers. And I shouldn't talk as much because even though I'm able to get the work done, they're not able to. Mm. And that sort of a lot of the time knocked me back because no one ever realised or took time to understand why is he talking so much. Mm. And it was because ultimately I felt comfortable around my peers. And it was, oh, I've got some interaction. I can talk to people. Um, and in the playground, this was a time where Premier League football was rife. Everyone's playing sport. Everyone's playing for, you know, the local academies and everything. Mm whilst people were having their conversations about sport I was almost always almost conducting these conversations so I'd ask people why do you think Henri is better than so and so or okay so why do you actually support us I've always been inquisitive and asked questions mm. even my mum sometimes when I think back to our conversation when I was young she was like you always have questions to ask me and that's just how I learned I learned from learning from other people and their lived experiences so that was always a part of my identity my makeup from, from young What also was, was my love for writing. However, that was not backed by an English teacher once who said I couldn't write. And -hmm. that was like, oh, okay. And I remember when um, I was fortunate enough to go to like a really decent sixth one, but I remember when I went to an unapplied and they said, if you don't get A for English, you can't get into the sixth one. I was like, hold on, this is a bit like, why do you have to get the best grade? And I made sure I got that A because I was like, no, no one's going to bottle me in. So I always had this inherent love for for writing, even though I was told I wasn't good at it. And I, I didn't feel like I was good at it, but everyone around mm. me that would read stuff would thought it was great. And I always spoke about my love for football while I was playing. It was only until I got to university when I was watching a lot of sports commentary. Um, I've watched NBA here and there for a few years. I wouldn't say like I'm a massive fan. I've gotten more into it in recent times. But I looked at the coverage of football and I thought to myself, I said, "This isn't representative of my lived experience, my culture. Growing up in South East London, I know so many people that were one degree away from making it professional, as a professional footballer. Yeah, yeah. They all spoke a certain way, they all did certain things. However, it felt like when they get, they they then got to to the pitch, and it was great, and they represented us, and we were so proud of them. But we didn't get to see them be who we know they were." yeah and that always felt odd to me why can't said players speak how he speaks when he's with us or why is it when it's the homecoming and he's around everyone that he feels like he's at home yeah. it was only as i got a bit older and wiser and i then realized it's because within the media landscape it's a completely different thing so i think mm-hmm. currently at the moment comes carried out some research 44 percent of players in the premier league are black yeah if you looked at media completely different. If you look at ownership, completely different managerial places, completely different. So we're allowed to be in this conversation here. We're not allowed to be there, but who is telling the stories about the athletes or the people behind the athletes, people that don't understand their lived experience. Yeah. So one day me and a few friends were like, I don't like the fact that no one actually talks about the game, how we talk about it. I kind of enjoy it. We're just going to start talking about the game. It's a bit too Mm. dated. And my first ever podcast, full-time podcast, it was literally started out of the fact that we loved football, we always spoke about it. And we just wanted to create something for ourselves that was a true representation of us and our our friends around us. So in doing that, I essentially started to relive my younger self, who was having these conversations in the playground. And by going on that, I didn't know that that would be the beginning of a journey to within sports media. Mm. So, um. I was doing that, and I mentioned becoms at the time. Leon Man, who is a you know former broadcaster, filmmaker, has done amazing things within the space. His mission is trying to diversify the industry, so he created this thing called masterclasses with becoms where he was getting black or uh, man uh, uh, people from different different um, ethnicities to give masterclasses to young people that wanted to get into sports media. So I happened to see this, and I thought to myself, the podcast is going well. This is great. Let me just see what this is about, you know, just to mm-hmm. you know learn and see how I can use it to help the podcast. And I think from there, my mind just opened up that to what you said, someone telling you that you're good at something and someone sort of having to overcome these experiences of, no, you're not actually bad at writing. You just haven't written stuff that you're passionate about in football. And the person that was reading your stuff probably wasn't culturally aligned with you. No, you talking is not a bad thing. You just need to challenge it in the right ways. <laughs> And it just gave me the sort of freedom and space that, you know what? I could actually do it, but I never ever thought it would be a career. I never thought I'd be in a place where now currently I I work within sports media, I'm fortunate enough to help others work in sports media. And to be fair, even when I was getting closer to that state, I still didn't think it'd be possible because I looked at the state of play and I thought, what place would enable me to be my truest self?
0: Yeah,
1: Like we, when, I don't see enough black stakeholders in these buildings that will put arm around me and be like, you don't have to change yourself. Mm. And for me, that's the hardest part of, of all of this. You can be gifted, you can have God blessed talent, you can be so aligned in what you want to do. But very similar to football when you're playing in the academies and everything, it's the decision of one or two people that have an opinion and lived experience that can make you a go left or right. And that's scary. For me, it was really, really scary. But I'm I'm very fortunate that I've managed to land in really good positions, have really good people around me, and just be able to navigate a a path where I'm hoping now that what I've done in some senses is now seen as another path now.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And uh, there's something you said kind of early in the the kind of uh, explanation there. So I think this was last season. I went to cover Spurs versus Brentford for an outlet media outlet, um, and it was my first time ever at the, the Tottenham, Tottenham's new stadium. And I remember that, I'd, and I've been to football grounds before, but largely at like Championship and like League One level. So it was it's kind of like the first proper Premier League experience in terms of a major Premier League experience. And I won't lie to you, I walked into their media center, and I reckon I counted the number of black faces. On one hand, I, I'm, I'm not even convinced. I think I saw like four, if that, if, if that, that. Yeah. and and I was like, wow, wow, <laughs> we're we're really not out here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's it's weird because the people driving, you, hmm, I think <laughs> I would argue that the people driving the most interesting content in this particular generation or twenty first century um are pe- people from ethnic minorities like the, you can you can see how the kind of cultural landscape around football is literally season upon season is changing you only have to see who gets um quoted or the people on different particular platforms it's it's clear that the game can see that there is a there is a market to tap into but that doesn't necessarily mean for me that it's Necessary translated to the the top echelons of who's still telling the, the stories, so so to speak, and it, it totally resonates with me. I mean, I I do a lot of stuff around kind of cricket and yeah. the the West Indies cricket team and believe it or not your story resonates for me because ultimately when when I when we created the Caribbean cricket podcast that was literally what you just said it was about well hold on who's telling our stories because that's the conversa- the 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 things that I read about aren't the conversations we're having <laughs> if, if that makes sense so I, I totally get it so then I put to you this how actually let me now let me rephrase the question did you ever as things have progressed, because this was, this was a big issue for me, and I wonder if you had the same. Did you ever feel any kind of imposter syndrome?
1: Oh, I feel <laughs> like... <laughs> I, I still feel it till today. I, I feel like... It's a really good question. And I feel like sometimes when I speak to sort of, you know, a lot of people... The thing about the Black lived experience is that it's not homogenous. All of us have different lived experiences, but they're mm. key components to our lives that are very similar. And I always say that those are the sense of gratitude, the sense of community, the sense of uplifting each other, and the sense that no matter what happens, we're always going to be viewed away. Do you, mm. know, do you get where I'm coming from? So yeah, yeah. with me, the reason why I always fought imposter syndrome, because ultimately, like I said, this isn't... I've had to work very hard mm. which is a granted that's our, our our lived experience you have to work harder than counterparts but also I've had to work unconventionally mm. and in some senses because of the way the system is sort of you know created you feel like or I felt like that because I didn't take the traditional route yeah I maybe looked at a certain way I'm not supposed to be here Someone feel, some people may feel that because I didn't, you know, follow the script yeah. that I'm not worthy to be where I am. And ultimately to within myself, it's like, why, why am I someone that's been able to do it? It's almost like maybe it's not even the process, maybe it's survivor's guilt in the sense that, yeah. okay, so how how comes it's worked for me? And then it goes back to something we mentioned off mic. for me, I'm very fortunate and appreciative of, the things that I'm able to be a part of. And I, I know that ultimately you have to embrace yourself with all of it and, and take it for where it was, but all of the sort of, for less for lack of a better term, noise about it is, is something I'm completely not bothered about. The reason mm. why I started that first podcast was because I wanted something for my people to be able to listen to. yeah. And the essence of everything I do is, I want to enable people to feel like they belong mm. and that—that that is my whole thing. When I, when I started, um, one of the first things I did that was completely different was something called, um, quarantine, um, diaries where yeah. I was speaking to athletes during the quarantine to speak about how they're managing and what they're doing. And for me, when I'd linked up with undiluted media, the people that did it, the whole thing was around, I want to speak to people as people, not athletes. I want to take away that veil that we see. And I want black athletes to be able to have their stories told by the people that actually care about them. Yeah. So when I'm speaking to you, I'm not speaking to you about your next fight and this and that, I'm speaking to you about mom's cooking. I'm speaking to you about things you're passionate about. I speak to you about growing up in Southeast London. I'm speaking to you about those nuances that because I have a very similar lived experience, even though we're completely different, you feel comfortable discussing with me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and that is, that's something that I've always wanted, and, I, and I'm so thankful to God that I'm I'm able to do that now. But for hundred percent, I've had in person I've gone into rooms where I've seen loads of execs look at someone and like probably look at me like, "Who on earth is this young black guy doing here?" I grew my hair over the quarantine, <laughs> the whole pandemic. So I'm sure. Listen, look, it I'm, gets I, like that. <laughs> honestly, honestly, in the height, it, it was so funny. So um. <laughs> With verses. One of the first things that I got there, we, we we speak we speak highly on purpose, and one of the things that we pushed out was a content series called How to Be a Baller. Mm. And because it was the pandemic, all of them were done on Zoom. Yeah. Every single one was done on Zoom. I was growing my hair out. I was at home. You can't get a trim. I'm speaking to footballers. Sometimes I've got a bandana on, sometimes I've got <laughs> twists. It's just me being authentically myself. And that got nominated for SJA. So I remember yeah. going to the SJS, and people are probably look, I thought to myself: these guys would have had to look for the nomination, and they would have like lovely Sky Sports short, real hair, this hair, <laughs> guy in hoodie, this and that, yeah. and that. And they're probably thinking, how on earth are we going to let this guy in? But to what we say, when if what you do is good enough, yes, there should there shouldn't be any parameters to say that what I am doing is completely different to someone else. And also, I feel like we owe it to ourselves to rewrite the script. So one thing that's similar between both of us is our hairstyle. Mm. Why is it that dreads or long hairs can seem as, as for some reason or was perceived as unprofessional. What Mm. is a professional haircut? What does that, what does that mean? Whereas when you look into the story of things, hair from our community is a form of expression. Yeah. So again, when you have the right people in the room to understand these things, I think imposter syndrome becomes less of a thing. And that's why, I'm grateful for the Musas. I'm, I'm grateful for the Darren Lewis's. The people that, mm. for lack of a better term, they had to be in those rooms for themselves for a long time before anyone yeah. else came. Yeah.
0: yeah. Darren
1: Lewis constantly tells me stories of where he would go to events, and people would mistake him for the catering stuff. Yeah. And what he says now is, it's a generation where that's not the case anymore because there's a younger generation that's more diverse coming in, and the next stage is it's not that just we're in the rooms we have the equity to make decisions. We have the equity that we're winning awards as well. And that's mm. why back to my point, which I said about our lived experiences being different. One thing that's always remains the same, no matter where you're from in terms of ethnic minorities, is the sense of community. Mm. I, I, I'm i so, so honored that a lot of people helped me, Leon Mans, Musa's, Karl Ankers, even when they were figuring out stuff for themselves, they had mm. time for me. And that's why I constantly now, try to do the same because if we don't help each other out, who's going to help us? And that's why the notion of what we're discussing here as well, this, the journey is far from, from over. I don't even know where the journey goes tomorrow, Talkless of in the future, but I just know the purpose of it for me is to ensure that one, our people in terms of our athletes, their stories are told the way they should be. And two, people understand that we can have a space within this industry, or area to be able to do what we haven't been able to do before.
0: Listen, uh, you're you're dropping the gems after the gems, but um, this one, where I pivot to next is kind of weird because this isn't necessarily about you, but I do just, I I hope that people want to hear what I'm about to say uh, and why I've pivoted here. So Uncle Ian, and we have to call him Uncle Ian. (laughs) Yes, Uncle Ian, big bro Ian. Uncle Ian, I feel like Ian... And for those who are wondering, I'm talking about Ian Wright, obviously. Uh, but I feel like Ian, over the last five to ten years, has done so much to give back to to boosting the community, boosting the talent, and so on and so forth. And it's, I get it, kind of does make sense why I would go pivot to this point next, right? Because you're now brushing shoulders with the likes of Ian Wright, and in many That's ways, so mad, because, Ian, because Ian, because <laughs> Ian. I think for all young black males, females, in particularly in and around South London, you've grown up in South. I've grown up in South. Ian is held up there like he is. He he is the Don. Is in essence right when he put you on, and you've you got the kind of come and write his house and this, that, and the other. Even though you've kind of I made mean, you with verses, stoppage time, TV, this, that, and the other. What was that like, LB? <laughs> was there was there a bit of the kind of I can't believe that I'm, or did you just take it in your stride, or was there this initial kind of this is even right though this this is the don. <laughs> so, how did that go for you? The reason why it's
1: it's crazy is because a lot of people that know me will testify to the fact that because I'm so. I wouldn't say so focused on the mission, but because I the, the bigger picture of what's trying to be achieved here, mm. with that, I'm so blessed that even before Righty's house, mm. there was something there in terms of, you know, working behind the scenes with Wright and everything. Mm. So with it, it, it's just so second nature. It's like, oh, that's big bro, right? Like, it doesn't, yeah, like, yeah. but for some red, like I've only ever had one picture of him and that's because someone else pulled me into a picture and said, we're taking a picture of him. It's sort of, sort of, it's just, yeah, I don't know how to describe it. For me, it's like, that's almost like a family member. And it, now yeah. when you say that like this now, and you have these moments, it's crazy to say that someone like Ian Wright is like a family member to you, but that's where it was. So w- there wasn't ever this moment of like, oh my God, because it was made very apparent to me early on that it was like, and that's why, again, to what i speaking about with Wright, it's so special. It's like, this. it's, it's never about him. Yes. It's never ever about him. It's all about come in here and cook. Do what you do best. And that's why Carl mm. Anka's is there. That's why Flo is there. That's why Jeanette Quarci is there. That's why everyone that comes on is there. It's like, it's never about him. He's always given his platform to others to uplift them. Yeah. So when that happens, you're like, you know you of course you know the importance of, of who this is, but there's such a relationship there where it it feels that he's he's literally big bro. Like, and then Again, speaking to his magnitude, he went to a school recently where um he went to go and see some students that were on a program that he sort of helped manufacture. And um
0: was that these the, kids... was that the Fisher, was that the one at Fisher?
1: That was at um, um yeah, Baker's what... College, yeah, with football it's not Bacon's Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So all of these kids knew who he was. And when you break it down, when you break it down what Ian Wright's what? doing, this. it's insane. These kids would have never seen him play. Yeah. Never seen him play. Never ever seen his play. Parents, he transcends, definitely did, he transcends man, but he transcends on <laughs> the, on the flip side, when Reese Nelson opened his pitch in the school, Reese messaged him and said, could you come down to help me cut the, um, unveil the pitch? It was the day before he flew out. He said, yeah, I'm there. No worries. And it's like, he transcends so much. And all of it is because he's so given so understanding. And he just gives his platform the way he, he speaks about, and he's not even a speaks, but the way he's within women's football. Mm. way before everyone else was there he was there literally week in week out speaking fighting with all of these women footballers and you can see where that's going now and he's just Mm. such a a real person so for me i didn't ever have this oh my gosh oh my gosh it was it's righty And, and that's probably because of the work beforehand it was sort of like okay cool and you know shout out um very similar to yourself in terms of people that are. There's always people behind the scenes that you always have to pick up. For me, that's Roscoe. Roscoe deserves yeah. so much credit. Such a lovely guy. I, I was doing a lot of work with Roscoe before, but yeah, there was never this sort of like, oh my gosh, it's right. It's sort of like, oh hey, right, hey big bro. It's like <laughs> it's just it's just again. And that's why it's great to have moments like this because I'm gonna after this I'm gonna be like, hold on, I just message right about his kids randomly like that's that's insane that's insane
0: (laughs) right so brilliant so the fact that you said that is good actually because it leads me to then say so when was the when was the moment for you and the reason I have to ask you this because I'm wary as you you said earlier on like you know people like Darren Lewis have paved the way right he's paved the way Moose has paved the way but believe it or not you're a trailblazer now right you and yeah. you may you may not see yourself like that but you're a trailblazer now there's there's going to be a a next generation under you who will have seen for example that you came through bcoms and you're here now and did xyz right who are looking at you going yeah my one made it yeah i, I want to be like him that there will be people like who will listen to this and be thinking that so i guess the reason i, I tell you that is because people want to know when was the moment when was the moment that you said to yourself, I've cut through. Now, the thing is, cut through can mean different things to different people. So, actually, I guess you have to define what cut through means to you. But when, okay, let me rephrase it. When was the moment that you thought, "No, I belong here. No, this is th- this is my this is my industry. I'm going to grow in this. I, I'm I'm supposed to be here right now. God's plan and all that." When was that moment? The the
1: true answer to that, I I still feel. And this, this sounds a bit dire, but I still feel like I don't have that moment. Like it's like I'm here or I'm supposed to be here. In all honesty, I'm appreciative for every single little thing that happens, because I know Mm. that, especially within these sort of spaces, you can be here today and gone tomorrow. That's, Mm. that's the reality of it. And I guess for me, it's never, it's never about moments. It's all about purpose. And that's why, when a lot of people say, "So, so, what do you want? What are you trying to do?" It's like I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you what the next two weeks looks like. Talkless of the next five years, but the purpose is I want people to be able to feel like they see themselves within things, and I feel like and I want people that are within it to be able to have their stories told, mm. and that purpose keeps growing over time, which is great. I would say the one moment that I sort of made me realize that I I had something, I suppose, or what I was trying to do was possible was my first proper ever written piece for verses my first interview for verses mm. so I'd written a few pieces where I was doing listicles I um, mean and they they were going crazy on socials like I did a piece the 25 young ballers from south South London that you need to know about yeah, all yeah. of those things that were cultural touch points that are sort of my lived experience people were catching on to I thought okay well what I've been thinking for years and why I started my podcast I can see it now in different formats. The ruben loftus cheek interview i did which was the first interview for versus is when i started to realize okay there is an opportunity to bring change to the space mm. so that happened it was the day that i did opening saw opening their store i went down first time interviewing a uh, a baller in real life and everything and i remember getting there and i said okay everything you've always been saying you wanted to do you can actually do now yeah. And I remember looking at him, I sport Charles and I was like, listen, bro, I'll be honest with you. I'm not doing an interview. We're just going to have a chill conversation and kick it. And for 30 minutes, we spoke about South London. Yeah. We spoke about injuries, but we just kicked it like we had known each other. Bear in mind, I, I did not know this guy from Adam. Yeah, I know things about him. I know we have similar lived experience, but I don't know him from Adam. The next day we put it out and newspapers and so many people are just picking up quotables and everything. And it's very different to sort of what interview is. It's a conversation, people are picking stuff up. And versus like, oh my gosh, we've not actually had this before where people are picking up our, our right. articles and stuff.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: And I was there sat like saying, okay, well, this whole thing about being a conversationist and having conversations with people, you've proved to yourself that it you not only can you do it, yeah. but it works.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: that's where you start thinking, okay, cool. If in the right environment, given the right support, how far can you take this? Mm. And it's, to what you mentioned before, it's the perfect tangent. That was sort of like entry, me getting in. Yeah. Whereas now, the elevation of having conversations, very similar nature is the the, the piece that I produced with Raheem, um, our assistant directed for Raheem Sterling, which was, this is a footballer who, in our eyes, similar to Ian Wright, is a pillar of our community, has done so much, transcends the game. Yeah, But for so long, this is beautiful because it sums up everything, it's so long the story we've been told about Raheem Sterling is not the story we know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether
1: that yeah. was the discussions about, you know, the gun tattoo, him mm. being flashy, him leaving Liverpool. When the facts are, he walked so Rashford could run in terms of what Rashford's doing. Yeah, and yeah. he's done so much. So that piece was, I want to have a conversation with him about real stuff that no one else speaks to him about, about, you know, being a black father, expressed himself through haircuts being a Jamaican,
0: yeah. like
1: being around heritage of being a Jamaican, growing up in Northwest London, what that actually means. Mm. And we were very fortunate to create a piece that did that in such a beautiful way. And people are looking at Raheem Sterling and going, I actually never saw this. I didn't know this about Raheem Sterling. It's like, of yeah. course you didn't because the people telling the stories didn't give him that grace to show him in that light. Yeah. So to, to the question, the moment where I felt like I, I made it, I, I, I don't think i ever will. I think to my nature, I, I just don't think I, I ever will feel like, oh my gosh, I'm here. I still, just because of how I am, I'm still very like, I'm an introvert at heart. So things still make me feel very socially awkward. Like yeah. for instance, <laughs> posting the Nike thing the other day was very surreal for me. Like it was great to work in it. But when you're seeing people saying, oh my gosh, and they're all happy for you. It's very like, I don't know how to, programmed that yeah, so I don't yeah, know yeah. when the moment of ever making it will ever be there but I know there are always checkpoints on the journey so what, again working with a Nike a brand that you wore when you were growing up is a massive thing mm. working with these ballers and having not only just working with them now being a place where they're coming to you and saying that I, w- I want to do a piece of work yeah. is a milestone yeah. being able to you know speak with you today and discuss it to some degree sort of how I've navigated my path is a moment and all moments I hold daily. And it's not just always those positive moments, it's the negative moments as well. It's the moments where, you know, I remember being in my graduate scheme and like having a fallout with my manager and on my lunch break, just writing a versus article, I just cry my eyes out. Cause it's like, don't want to be here. I just <laughs> want to write, it was just taking so long. Or the moments where I was on furlough from my job i was getting yeah. paid less i just had my first um son mm. and i was so scared about what to do because i knew that if i wanted to pursue sports media because things were growing if i didn't take that jump now when would i ever take the jump
0: yeah 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 yeah
1: and for me the thing that made me take the jump and I've, i think i've told this to a few people where it was like i remember looking at my son and i remember saying things to myself if I don't chase my dreams, I don't know how I ever be able to look you in the face and tell you go after what you really care about 100, when you're older.
0: 100, yeah. So
1: if, if, if you know what, to answer that original question, I think that was the moment that made me knowing mm. that, okay, I'm going to do this because I want to be able to tell him in the future that I did this and I did this because I want to make sure that you chase your dreams. So that actually might be the moment. Cause after that, there was no looking back by God's grace of an opportunity full-time at versus manufactured. I had to take a pay cut from a corporate place. It was very different because you've spent a few years being taught as a future CEO, and then you're going into a space where you have no experience here, apart from your own lived experience and stuff you're doing by yourself. And you're having to learn. Until now, I'm still learning because like I said, I've not gone to study this. I've studied this myself. Some of it's gift yeah, but some of it's studying. So that would would be the moment actually. whilst everything I said still stands, that would be the moment that made me
0: making mm-hmm. the decision to go for it. That answer you gave was so deep that you've I've written down like <laughs> as you were talking, <laughs> I've been drawing, I've just been drawing and like with arrows going off going, boy, I need to ask him this, I need to ask him this, but I'm wary of the time, so let me try and cram them all in. Um, Boy, there's so much. Listen, <laughs> where'd I go? Um, verses. When you applied for Verses... I didn't apply, you know. Oh, snap. Right. Okay. Because. Right. Okay. So that's a story in itself, then, because that opportunity of going to Versus was that post Becomes or during Becomes? Was Becomes up? How did that all manifest for you?
1: Versus manifested. So Becomes had finished. Right. And I was. um, I was. Through becoms, I met someone, networked. I was doing that, like, some radio producing on Radio Five, Rob Smith, holds out yeah. him, amazing guy. Um, but Versus had just started, and their whole thing was looking at convergence culture, which was sport, sports, music, and culture. Yeah. Very, it was a complex of football almost. Yeah. And as I mentioned before, NBA in America, that sort of culture is normal stage because normal. Yeah, that's, that's just their lived experience, yeah. right? So I saw what they were trying to do, I saw it very early on. And I reached out to the page and I said, Hey, listen, guys, love what you're doing and everything. I've got some ideas of how you can run this forward. Cause in my head, what I was doing with my podcast was a very similar concept. So I said, it will be good to come in for a chat and speak about things, etc.
0: No wait, wait, so wait, so you, you, you threw the hell Mary pass. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just did that because I was
1: like, <laughs> I can see what you guys are doing, but ultimately <laughs> like, there's some things that you can do. Here's some suggestions. Let's catch up and thing. And then I thought nothing of it. Yeah, yeah. So Corey, who's um, editor in chief. Big bro, loving to bits. He reached out, invited me to the office. We had a conversation, and he was like, um, "Have you written?" And at that time, I wasn't really writing. I'd written when I was younger to my mm. my parent again about you know writing and being told I wasn't good at it. I was like, "No, I haven't written in a long time, but I have loads of themes that I would write about. I sort of ideated things." He's like, "Okay, write some pieces." So I wrote a few pieces, and those are the pieces that were going crazy. But this wasn't mm. a full time thing. This was just sort of like you know, you're just doing something, and then you're learning how to wear invoices or how to send off yeah. an invoice. because it's all well, very new. Them ones, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all bizarre. Like, okay, <laughs> what 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 account does it go into? When does the invoice get paid? Or thank you so much. Like, no, you don't need to thank me. You worked for that money. You don't need to thank me for it. <laughs> so that happens, and then. As things were growing and I was doing different things, basically loads of different freelancing bits, and I was doing more for verses. I started to realise because of the faith that was paying me by other people that I could potentially do something within sports media. Right. But a lot of the conversations i having was, and not that people were putting me off, but people were saying stuff like, you're in a very good corporate space right now. You're managed mm-hmm. to make things balance like, To go into this field, it's ultra competitive. You're going to have to take a pay cut. You're going to have to start at the bottom of the, of the, of the food chain and everything. And then I had that moment with my son, I said, you know what, I'm doing it. So the issue I had was, again, something I mentioned earlier, I didn't know where I could potentially land that would truly accept me for being me. Right. I feel like the landscape has shifted completely now. And a lot of my close friends are working for big majors and they're doing good things and they get to be themselves. But at the time for me, it I just didn't see how I could go into any of these big buildings and be my true authentic self where I could thrive fully. And going back to the whole thing about being boxed in, I was scared that no one would understand that I have the ability to do loads of different things. They'll just go make me a floor writer or staff writer, and it just didn't sit well with me. So, I was a bit spooked about what I would do. And then, with the versus stuff, I did this sort of competitive analysis piece. Like an internal, you know the internal business docs I came yeah. from a corporate bit, but I sprinkled a bit of culture in it. So I did it for <laughs> one of the I did it for one of the, the the guys there, just sort of like, okay, well, this is the landscape, this is what we should be going after, etc. And then out of nowhere, just this conversation happened, and the nature of the conversation was ultimately we want to put our faith and trust in you because we will regret not doing that because someone will come and pick you up soon if we don't move and we've done some great stuff we know that you can add value we don't know what the role is going to be it'll be you sort of manifesting what that role is and we'll grow and see how it goes from there right and for me that is single-handedly one of the best things that could have ever happened to me because it was again breaking all that all of that secondary school experience of you're not good enough this and that away it was no you're very good at what you do and you have an idea of what you want to do with your purpose. Mm. And because it's a purpose, it's not a job function, we can't bottle that in. Yeah. We want you to come on board and just help us move in the right direction. And, and the rest was history, honestly. Like my 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 title still is Brandon Editorial Officer. Mm. And what that means is it's just adding value in different ways, shapes, and forms. Right, and okay. for me, it's it's perfect. It's perfect for me. Some people you know, like to be able to just do one thing. And that's great because ultimately they can focus and they can grow with me. I can focus on one thing, but I I need to be adding value. I need to be able to be here and there. I need to be able to have my mind in different things and move the purpose of what I'm doing forward. So yeah. that was the biggest, um, the biggest test of um, confidence that anyone could ever give to me. And the same thing happened with writer's house as well. Like, when I first came on, like I was trying to, you know, it's like, I think in my first podcast, I said, it's like being a central midfielder it comes on into a big game and it's like, okay, you can't do anything too mad, just keep the ball ticking and everything. Yeah. And that's what I did with my first episode. And when I came off, they was like, you know, it's great, but you know, we've seen you on your podcast. Like we want you to be that kamikaze, all encompassing midfielder, <laughs> like this, you know, top bins, sprays the passes. You can make the ball tick along, but you know, do your thing. And since then, the, the rest was history because people gave me that confidence to go and do it. Hmm. And for me, it's helped me so much within this space. And in terms of where I am now, I'm I'm trying to harvest that out of more young black or pe- or individuals from my own ethnicities because our lived experiences so much of our personalities, right? There's so much of our stories. There's so much of our being. And sometimes when that is been forced to be compressed or taken away you're removing it from someone i relate to football right mm. football is one of these things where if especially from south london and you know you see a lot of these players at semi-pro now yeah raw ability is there it's so mm. great but what happens you get a manager that wants everyone to be exactly the yeah. same so what do they say run down the byline and cross it in yep and now that players whole aura their being is stripped away from them. And the same thing happens within the media space as well. Oh, you know, you're great and everything, but we don't want you to shout on the podcast or we want you to write about Harry Kane and these wristwatches. Like, why am I writing about that?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So so that that's that's where it stems from. I I was very fortunate to to have people that believe in me. But um also people that told me to build my own platforms as well. Mm, mm. So one of my um, go-to quotes that I say a lot is, if they don't let you in their house, build your own.
0: 100%. Build your own house. Yeah.
1: We're in a space where you can have a podcast go out in 15 minutes. Yeah. You can do it from your phone. You can buy a plug-in microphone. Now more than ever, you're plugged in. And because we're so connected to people, I always say that your follower list is your free marketing budget. Yep. If you push it to 100 people and 10 people share it and they have – you know, five people amongst them that listen to it and share it organically, you're growing. Yep. And <clears throat> importantly for me, it's not about mass anymore. Yeah. So I never ever came into this wanting to be a massive name and loads of hysteria or anything. I just wanted that the people that it's for and, it, and they care about it, it reaches them. Yeah. So community is such a massive thing. Like even with my, my podcast now stoppage time, it won't be the most watched podcast in the uk of course not because the demographic's completely different but in terms of my community i know that they are tapped in they will listen yeah. to it and if i see them outside we will sit down and talk about the podcast they will hold me accountable for any bad takes and that's what it means so in a roundabout way the essence of why i came in hasn't changed and mm. i don't think it ever will change and i thank god that that's still within me i thank god that you know it's still within me that i'm 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 doing this for a purpose not for a a reason or monetary value and i you know long may it continue god willing and if it doesn't i've enjoyed every single moment of it you know so so um so yeah
0: listen as i always say to people if they ever ask me about pods and stuff i always say the game has changed right and we're now in an era where real will find real and yep. the as as much as okay there may still be barriers and glass ceilings to break through but actually the noise in the underground is such now that i keep i keep maintaining that in sports particularly football the underground is forcing the conversation of the overground so so to speak so that's why i totally resonate with your comment about do your own thing do it because if somebody isn't ready yet to hear what they need to hear do your own thing and i guarantee if, if it's real enough and authentic enough people find people
1: it. see it 100 but, 100 but
0: listen uh, we must get to it because there will, there will be people waiting for this and I, I know it's such a glib thing to ask but it still needs to be asked when you reflect back on your journey thus far and um, where you've reached thus far what do you think have have been the most important skills you've, have to, you've had to develop. And I say that again with kind of reference to those who may be listening to this, wanting to go on a journey or they're in the midst of their journey, they they may be kind of like you were, where it's like, I want to dip my toe in, but I'm, I'm dipping it in a bit, but I'm not dipping in fully. Looking back as much as you can, what have been the key skills you've learned that you think would be useful for others to hone or to develop, so to speak?
1: Um, being a sponge is a massive one, no matter what room you're in, who you're with, be a sponge. You don't know how listening to one thing over here benefits you over there. Like, mm-hmm. um, it's so funny. It, life is so funny. I was having a conversation with a friend today and I was saying that one of the best pieces of advice I ever received was when I, I, I worked as a laborer for a day for a mate, for yeah. one day. And there was this, I was trying to we're doing some landscaping. and I was using the machine, I was trying to flatten the ground and I was using all my strength. And this older guy, Jamaican guy, Winston, was like, "No, no, no, you don't do like this." And he showed me, and he said, "There's a technique to everything," and that piece of verse changed my life. There's literally yeah. a technique to everything, and for me, again, that's being a sponge. If I like, if I chose to ignore him, I would have never learned that piece of verse that was so valuable. If you're a sponge, you can pick up things from people, you can learn, you can adapt. So that's definitely one: be a sponge to your environment, take everything in. Another one is don't be afraid to fail. Yeah, like I've had podcasts that I've made, and they've been stinkers. I've had podcasts that I've tried to, you know, edit, and have been corrupted files. And it's part of the process. It molds you. It makes you stronger. And yeah, it's important. But also, don't be afraid to try new things as well. So, um, when I did the the stint where I was, um, I would call it assistant producing on radio. It was completely new to me, but I knew that I wanted to learn about a different world and I knew there would be transferable skills. What mm. is it something I would want to do in the future? Probably not, but it enabled me so much to just learn and take in and understand and sort of be able to be like, maybe I don't want to do that. Whereas some people are so comfortable in their comfortable zone. They don't, they won't be able to find anything new that they may be good at because they're like, that's not for me. Mm-hmm. So that's one as well. Um, be open to learning new things and i think a final one that i i stand on completely on hold is that as much as it's great to look up to people and speak to people that have gone before you people around you are equally as important because yes. you don't know who's going to be in what building tomorrow you don't know who around you if you come together collectively can make something happen i've had stories of when i've spoken to people who are Younger aspiring people within sports media and I've said to yourself, well, your friends a photographer yeah, and filmmaker. You want to do spoken word on camera. You have a mate that works in corporate and does marketing and everything. If you put your efforts together, you have a super team to actually get something moving and you can all benefit from it and you can all use it as a reference to when you're actually doing stuff. So, and of course nature is, we want to look at things in front of us and be like, Oh, I want to be the next Harry Pinero. I want to be Darren Smith. I want to be Ian Wright. But, looking around you can enable you to push forward as well. And I think it's just so important to just tap into those around you. And, and yeah, I think the other one is what I'm, probably the last one is what I said before, which is, if they don't let you in the house, build your own house. Yeah. We're in a place where ultimately, maybe not so much Twitter, because since they have started messing up with the app a little bit, but Instagram <laughs> and TikTok, it's very easy to get your stuff out there and just get cooking and, you don't have to have perfection in day one. You can work towards that. Like there's um, is it Six Sigma where it's that like, okay? You keep doing iterations till you get to where you want to be. You don't mm-hmm. just keep planning, planning, planning. And one day come out by then, everyone's the bus has moved. Everyone's yeah, not yeah, waiting yeah, for it. Yeah, anymore. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with putting something out. See how it fits, and then keep tweaking as you go along. So um, yeah, we I remember times where some of my closest friends they would send messages and be like. I'm only listening to this podcast because you're my friend, but the audio is scratching my ears. It's good content, but the audio is trash. Okay, cool. I need to work on that. Cool. Boom. Next thing. Okay. It's great. But the, 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 I can hear phones like, okay, cool. Next thing do, do, do work. Boom, pay out. There's nothing wrong with learning as you go along. I feel like just because of the nature of society and everyone wants to get the, the idea of perfection, Hmm. the truth is it doesn't exist. Perfection yeah. doesn't exist within this realm. You can't have the perfect podcast. You can't have the perfect show. You can't have the perfect takeaways and everything. there's always going to be something that could have been better. So why don't you just get yourself out there and learn as you go along? And it's a yeah, beautiful yeah. journey. So those are a few gems I would I would I would say.
0: Listen, fantastic. And uh, it would be remiss of me to not finish with just arts and you Wait, What's next? What's and the thing is you can't you can't you can't oh give gosh. the game away because listen us your work rate in the last boy I don't even know I feel like your work rate in the last let's just say three months has been insane I'm seeing you here there and not over saturation I don't mean that I mean you're just doing bits you're cooking over there you're cooking over there you're doing this you're doing that and everything's different everything's unique. So what's next, What what's, what's next for you, no, Where are you hoping to it. go with all this? <laughs>
1: the honest answer, again, I don't know. For me, I I know that I want sports media in particular to be a place where young black creators can exist and be themselves. And I'm fortunate that by the, through sort of, you know, the platforms of people around me and everything, I'm in a place where I've been very fortunate to enable that to happen. So reverses while hiring, more black creatives mm. with we've, um, we've linked up with Chelsea through conversations to like, we're given a bursary to two to two young black creatives up to 15k each to create something with Chelsea yeah, yeah I'm in a place where I'm able to sort of try and push those sort of things which is great in terms of myself what's to next to come there's still so many things that I want to learn and want to try ultimately like. I never thought I'd be able to write a chapter in the book. I did it. Great. I never thought I'd be able to direct something. Did it. I never thought I'd be able to screen or script write. I did it, but there's still so many facets that I want to learn and try mm-hmm. my hand out and see that like if I'm good. And if i even if I'm not good, what can I learn from that experience and take there? Um, but even with like the stuff I do, I still feel like even though people receive it as great and it's shifting the needle needle, there's still so much that can be gone, going back to what I said about, you know, iterations and improvement as you go along. So I want to do more interviews. I want to talk about more topics that are inherent to, you know, our lived experiences. I want to ensure that there's not one black footballer that doesn't feel like they can't go and tell their story. But um, an anecdote I'll give um, JD Dyer, Sky Sports, yeah. big bro. Love the guy to bits. He once gave this anecdote of how, Troy came up to him in the tunnel once and said I'll be honest bro if you wasn't here I probably wouldn't go up to media but seeing you here makes a difference Yeah, yeah. for me the mission is having so much of that feeling within sports media that the content and everything and the stories you tell you can't even imagine what happens Yeah, people don't feel like they don't have someone they can go to That that is the, 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 the mission for me so I don't know how that looks in two weeks I don't know how that looks next month but um as ever, there will be stuff coming out. There will be stuff coming out. And I feel like what's been great for me this year is, I think people have realised that as much as I love sports and I love football, it's more than football. It's more than football. It's more about, you know, the culture. Yes, And that means that, you know, it can then go to other sports. So um, the Hamilton one, for example, when I did that Hamilton interview, that was a, a checkpoint because then people realised, okay, this whole theory of discussion stuff, and just you know being a conversationist isn't just about football. Yes, exactly. I was talking to him about, you know, um going to buy his first record from uh from a <laughs> from a music store mm. and how much joy that brought him. So I feel like football against a good place, but how do we grow that into the women's game? How do we grow that into other sports? How do we keep going? How do I work with people like yourself? So the cricket side of it, we can see all of these amazing personalities and stuff. So that's what's to come for sure. What that looks like, I don't know, but um, I'm definitely looking forward to the ride. It's been a a great year, and you know, I'm thankful to have people like yourself, I meet mean, all these people that have done great things. I can speak to, but I'm looking forward to see what happens next as well.
0: Listen, there's no better way uh, to have ended the episode than than like that male we've been absolutely a fantastic guest but then I knew that beforehand before even pressing record so all you've done is lived up to lived up to the billing so, so, so to speak. No, I, I appreciate that <laughs> but, so um... much I, I want to give you a shout out quickly as
1: well because ultimately <laughs> I feel like we don't like I said we don't give people their their flowers enough and the fact that you've created a, a platform that exists to not only give people their flowers but to educate others to be like listen if you want to go into this here's a template is very selfless of you and um, we appreciate you for what you're doing and like I said a lot of the time especially within the space we're in now <laughs> a lot of people want to look at the front of the camera and be like that's what I want to be hmm. but people like yourselves people like the roscoes what you guys do which is so amazing is you showcase that there's a whole other world where you can be an influence maker and and it's and it's pretty cool just that because it's not you know slapped on front of you in socials doesn't mean that it doesn't exist so massive shout out to everything that you're doing as well and you know it's really appreciated
0: no worries man someone's got listen i, I call it connecting the dots <laughs> yes yes <laughs> people some people have to just connect dots you know <laughs> but, yes um, but but listen um where can people find you on the various if there will be Believe it or not there will be some people who listen to this who have never heard of you before and afterwards be like I need to go I need to go find out where I where I listen to this guy and what he's doing and so on. what's the That's best way to for find me. you
1: <laughs> very daunting um <laughs> best place to find me is underscore on Twitter and Instagram um, follow Versus as well. That is the brand I represent and work for. We have amazing stuff going out all the time. A lot of my stuff comes out through Versus. Um, my podcast, Stoppage Time TV, is available through the platform FTBL. So if you check FTBL out on YouTube and Instagram, you can see Stoppage Time episodes. And um yeah, forgive me for my tweets. I like to be a little bit chaotic, but again, I just like to be myself. I don't want to be pigeonholed and you know made to be brand safe. Like I'm brand safe, but I'm chaotic with it. So, so so yeah, that's
0: where you can find me. Listen, that just before I <laughs> before we recorded this, I saw your tweet where um Lekeep had given Dembele no skill. <laughs> <laughs> And I, lit- I was busted up before I pressed
1: record. <laughs> oh man! Sometimes you just you just have to laugh at these things because it's like if you don't laugh, you cry. I remember watching the game, and I was thinking to myself, keep that's a French pub. That is the French be or all, all I can't even imagine the sort of things they're gonna do if these guys lose. And then those two got hooked off, and I thought, oh, my "Gosh, no notes, not even zero, no notes." Oh my gosh, insane!
0: Listen I, d- I don't know if you I don't know if you recorded the, the stoppage time TV1 but I'm expecting to hear I'm expecting to hear you go into that Oh, oh no, no we, we did we, we
1: spoke about it off we spoke about it right in that episode but um, <laughs> that was that was yeah that was that was good fun
0: um but listen thank you thank you so much um thank you so much for for coming on much appreciated like I say hopefully for those who are listening to this you've kind of got um, taken in many of the gems that have been dropped today and for those who maybe this is what you needed to hear to to, to take the next step in your journey or to start your journey or whatever it might be but ultimately that's the point of the game is the game you know trying to connect those dots with people in the various professions so that uh you can get whatever you, get whatever message you need to take from from these particular discussions but thank you once again Maura, and uh much appreciated
1: no thank you for having me
0: No worries, ladies and gents. Stay locked in for more episodes. Thank you and good night. Thank you for listening to The Game is the Game with Mashell St. Patrick Hewitt. If you enjoyed that episode and you'd like to find out more about the work I do, you can head to linktr.ee forward slash mash st paddy if you'd like to find me on twitter you can find me at mash st and if you'd just like to email me about anything you're interested in or that episode made you think about or anything in particular you can email me at mstpatrick at gmail.com